Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. This is Trevor Davis. Thank you all so much for tuning in. I want to get started, as always, with our quote from Albert Einstein, which is a measure of change is the measure of intelligence, excuse me, is the ability to change. And that is so very important, as I always emphasize, because intelligence does not just mean book smarts, does not just mean street smarts, or even a combination of both. It means the ability to change, to not just get stuck in what you know simply because it's what you know. Because if you know that you want something different, you are going to have to change in some way, shape, or form, big or small, in one avenue of your life or in multiple avenues. And for a lot of people, they might feel like they need to change everything. I really think people need to give themselves credit and identify the fact that if they've gotten somewhere in life, they've done something right. You have to give yourself credit where credit is due. Now, it is the new year. Unfortunately, last week I was sick, so I apologize for missing last week's radio show, but today is January 11th, and we are back on live, and we are going to continue going through the Tony Robbins content that I got to experience at the beginning of November 2022. So I hope everybody had a wonderful New Year's. I hope everybody has identified some goals that they want to work on for this year. And I really, really want people to be careful and not just say these are New Year's resolutions. I don't do New Year's resolutions. And I don't really know anybody that's gotten goals done that does them either, in our group at the very least. So I'm very skeptical of them. I think New Year's resolutions end up turning into January resolutions, or the first week or two weeks of January resolutions. You know, a new year really, really shouldn't be the one and only impetus or push for you to take action and do something different. I mean, let's talk about the fact that people in the gym industry are making some of the most money that they make in the entire year. It's the most profitable part of the year for them. Because what people do on New Year's is they say, I'm tired of being overweight or obese. I'm tired of having no energy. I'm going to start going to the gym, and I'm going to be basically the most fit person out there. And there's nothing wrong with saying that per se. But one thing I like to warn people about is don't sabotage yourself by trying to jump in leaps on a path that requires you to take baby steps. Because it's very easy to fall on your face when you're trying to jump all over the board. What you want to do is you want to find what is your baby step, what is the goal that you can do 
and approach now? And what are the small changes that you can make and implement and keep consistently? Is it not going to the McDonald's that you drive by every single morning for your breakfast? You know, cutting out the processed food and the high-calorie fast food that does not do your body good? Or is it, with that, also going to the gym two or three times a week? You know, these days I go to the gym two times a week for about an hour to an hour and a half for high-impact muscle-building training that works best for me and works best for me in my schedule. You have to find out something that's going to work effectively for you and let you do it consistently and find the baby step. Look at the end goal that you truly want. You know, are you doing this to become a bodybuilder? Are you doing this to compete in bodybuilding competitions? Are you doing this so you're going to become an Olympic athlete? Maybe some people are, of course. But most people are doing this just to be plain healthy. So we can define that by having a healthy BMI, body mass index, a good fat content, good cholesterol levels, good vitamin levels, a good resting heart rate, good energy levels. This is all stuff that most of us want. And of course, that's something that the bodybuilders and the Olympians and the professional athletes, everybody on the planet wants. It does not really require you to become that level of peak physical performance. It actually requires simple baby steps, simple daily activities, and better consistent habits. So, two, if you decided to do a New Year's resolution and it is the 11th and you're at a point where you feel like you've already fallen off the wagon, don't make failing a New Year's resolution your excuse to fail for the entire year. Because all that's going to happen is you're going to get to January 2024 and you're going to probably do the same thing all over again. And that cycle is going to continue year in and year out. There's no reason for you to try and find the perfect time to get started on anything. Because there's no perfect time ever. There will never, ever be a perfect time for you to get started on anything. You could literally imagine the most perfect scenario in your head, and you're not going to get it. Or you could find out the scenario that you started something in your head, and no doubt, if you thought about it, you could find ways that it could have been better. But you still got started in something. Clearly, you've done a lot of things you've had to get started. Were they ever in situations that you could describe as perfect if you thought about it? No, if you think about it. There's no such thing as a perfect situation to get started in. Don't expect that. Don't look for it. Don't wait for it. Because you're going to wait forever. One thing that I've thought about recently is that the need for perfection is the greatest enemy of action. When people say that they are perfectionists, Are these typically the people that are taking action on a regular basis? Are these the people that you associate with high personal confidence? Not in my experience. There are definitely some exceptions I can think about, but those people don't end up being perfectionists because I know that the things that they've done have not been perfect. They've done it 
because in spite of imperfection, they've taken action. They didn't expect to do something perfect, but they still did something. And they certainly didn't stick around and sit around waiting for the absolute 100% perfect time to take action on something important. Once we get back, we will officially get back into the Tony Robbins material. I'm Trevor Davis, your host, and we will be right back with the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Stay tuned. There's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And that is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that is going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars over the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, attend our free sample class at TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Day Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at TWA. So let's get into the material from Tony Robbins. And we're still literally on day one. This was a four-day event at the beginning of November and tons of fun. I highly recommend this to anybody who honestly gives a crap about their well-being and success. You have to take an event like this at least once in your life to really identify what's important and re-energize yourself to those things that you consider important. Whether you end up loving the brouhaha atmosphere, whether you like the guru type of atmosphere, it doesn't really matter because the material actually matters. The material is true whether you like it or not, whether you like the format it's presented in, this is just information that's not really put out there. It's not really, people aren't really talking about these things in mass media. They're not really discussing them on a daily basis. It's stuff that really realigns you and makes you understand who you really are. We talked about continuing on day one. What stops us from moving forward on something? And of course, it's fear. F-E-A-R, just good old-fashioned fear because somebody's going to be afraid of something negative happening and that's what's going to keep them from making a decision. To put a dramatic example, you know, my dad talks about jumping out of a plane all the time. Let's talk about jumping off the side of a cliff. You know, you're afraid of jumping off the side of a cliff because you're expecting the bad thing to happen as you fall on the ground at the bottom and you, you die because it's a very dangerous and stupid thing to do, and that's a logical thing to be afraid of. But if you're jumping off the side of a cliff or out of a plane with a parachute, that's been checked by the professional that's been there for years, and you also have the backup parachute that has literally been packed by someone who's doing been doing this. God, what is... I remember reading about the requirement, but it, it has to be someone that's been doing that for, I believe, like 15 years of packing parachutes. So if your regular parachute fails to open, that one is virtually the sure shot to open. So we're still scared of the possibilities of something happening negative, but in that situation, we've got things that protect us and allow us to have a great experience on the other side. 
So fear is the number one thing that is hardwired into every human being, and there's no way for fear to go away completely. Being brave doesn't mean being fearless, because someone who's fearless is foolish, as most people agree, and with all the stuff that I study from some of the most successful people in history, you know, you see the way that they talk about things, you see the way that they talk to other people, you see the, the way that they face challenges, and I've never gotten the impression that any of them have been without fear, but they've been able to identify the dangers and risks and make the best calculated decision that they could. And, you know, ultimately they made some decisions that were pretty awesome that ended up getting a lot of very important results for a lot of people, which is probably the main reason why that they're so highly regarded in history and why their names are well known. Now, the two primary fears that they identify aren't something specific like saying, hey, I don't want to you know, screw up being a landlord, or I don't want to lose money in the stock market or in real estate or in crypto or whatever, it's fundamental. The first one is the fear that we're not enough. The permanent fear of inadequacy, the permanent fear of feeling like you're not going to be good enough for your significant other or everybody else who has an opinion, which is everybody, you're not good enough for the world or whatever, but you've convinced yourself that you're not enough. And with that attitude, you don't end up doing anything to improve your situation because you fundamentally believe that who you are now, you don't even deserve that. So the person that thinks that whatever good that they have now is effectively too much for them, you know, they're not going to go out and pursue more things. I, I want to tie this one in here with the fear of success that a lot of people have. I have. Everybody that I've gotten to talk about this with has. But when somebody's afraid of success, I, I really don't think it's because they're afraid of the more money, more problems attitude that you seem to hear people talk about in songs and in some examples from history it doesn't really add up because in reality, that's not exactly the case. It's not really that simple or, I mean, I don't, I don't even think that's the case at all. I don't think you can just say that without really getting specific. I mean, sure, a bigger business means more challenges. It also means, well, more opportunities. To just say that more money equals more problems, I think is one of those BS lines of thought that low-key has kept a lot of people from pursuing pursuing success for many, many years and in many, many cases. Somebody who believes more money, more problems is not going to be somebody that's going to go out and get more money because they think that having low income is going to be less problematic than having high income. Nasty reality for a lot of people is that the low income situation is the problem because if you're somebody that can't afford your house, your rent, your food, your kids' daycare, you're in a crappy position. You're going to have to be dependent on somebody else. And you may not even end up being able to get that financing you need. And then you have to downsize or downgrade. And you're missing out on a lot of opportunities that other people are able to get. So I think that's a whole bunch of crap. I think people that believe more money, more problems are sabotaging themselves and they're sabotaging other people. I completely disagree with that idea. 
So to say that you're not enough is going to be something that's going to make you very, very, very stuck very easily. That's going to be the number one thing that's going to be keeping you in a position of taking the same actions over and over again, along with the fear that we won't be loved. So number one is we're not enough, and number two is that we won't be loved. So if we talk about this in the context of a significant other, you know, if you don't think you're enough for your significant other, then you're going to think that you're not going to be loved by them. They're going to start to not like you as much. They're going to fall out of love with you. It And it you're going to imagine all sorts of bad scenarios. Whatever you think is a worst-case scenario happening with a significant other could be, you think that's going to happen because you won't be loved if you do something different or, you know, pursue something that they don't necessarily understand. So... When we fear not being loved, we put ourselves in a very elevated emotional state because love is the strongest emotion. It's the most important emotion, and it's the emotion that makes us feel the best. It's the driving emotion for really everything that people pursue once it really gets boiled down. I mean... Even once you boil down some of the really crappy things that have happened and been done by people throughout history. But when we're afraid of not being loved, we're going to get ourselves stuck even further because if people love us for, for who we are now, we don't want to change into somebody that they don't love. And there's a lot of things that that might make sense on, like if you start pursuing something that damages you and hurts you or hurts them. Like, yeah, that's going to affect their love for you. But if you're trying something to improve yourself and you're afraid of failing and you're afraid that's what's going to cause them not to love you, you know, that's a very, very hard thing to deal with. And it's going to keep you stuck very, very heavily. I think that somebody who truly loves you is going to support you trying to do something different, to do something that inflects a positive change. And they're going to continue supporting you even if your attempt failed, even if you screwed up, even if that was 100% your fault, which honestly, it is. But they're still going to encourage you to keep taking actions that you think are important to change on. A good friend, a good significant other, good parent, good relative is somebody that encourages you when you are doing the process of positive change. Somebody who's going to hold you back is literally somebody who doesn't want you to make those changes. Why? Because they have the same fears that you do, that they're not going to be enough, that they're not going to be loved. What about the fact that if you start getting better and you have managed your fears and you've gotten success, maybe they're going to be afraid that you won't love them anymore. So the fears have to be considered not only for you, but also for explaining other people's behavior in your life. One of the biggest things that challenges human beings, and I'm one of them, challenges people around the world, is we don't identify both sides of the picture. And not to just jump straight to the exception, because as I talked about, on that previous radio show that I think that's a very dangerous thing to do is to just jump immediately to the exception 
every single time. But that exception there, we've got to manage effectively if we're going to be able to move forward in terms of making our changes. So you get what you look for in life, even if it's not there. This was one of my favorite things that we dealt with on day one. When you're looking out for something, you're going to end up finding it. And that's something that we deal with called confirmation bias. But what I really like to think about recently, because I keep seeing it over and over again recently, is that what you say to yourself in your head is what you end up saying out loud, what people hear you say, and what you start attuning your mind to. So make sure that you're going to look and say for the good stuff that you actually want instead of look and say for the negative stuff you don't. We're at the halfway point. We will be right back after the break with the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody. We're now at the halfway point of the TWA Wednesday radio show. I'm your host, Trevor Davis, lead wealth coach up here at TWA. So let's do our stock market update at halfway point, as we've been doing, because unlike every other radio show that I've done so far since the past, I mean, little over half a year now, we actually have some positive returns. And everybody in stocks right now must be very, very happy. Or almost. So I'm doing year to date, as I did for everything last year. And when we started around the middle of the year, we'd already seen substantial losses, so everything was negative. And since it's June, January 11th, you know, you're going to see some smaller changes. And we're actually in the green now. For the very first time, on my radio show, we've got some positive returns year to date. Dow Jones is at 1.68%. S&P 500 is at 2.12%. And NASDAQ is at 2.43%. And there's really two types of people that are going to have a reaction to that. There's the people that say, you know, awesome, it's going back up. And then there's the other people that know that there's an awful lot of downturn that we're going to have to make up for if, if somehow, despite the fact that we still haven't hit full recession, that this is going into uh, another up market. It's not going to happen. So as I have to emphasize to people, this is a small upturn. There's never a straight line from an up market to a down market or a down market to an up market. There are peaks and valleys throughout this process, a little bit up, a little bit down, but an overall trend. And of course, the overall trend is still overwhelmingly down as we transition in, into a down market, even if people don't really want to face that or not. I mean, 
to me, let's just say for fun that despite all of human history with an economy in the modern sense and the stock market for the last 150 years, that we're somehow not going to get a down market ever again. Like, that's ridiculous. But let's just say that we're not somehow, and this is now the transition to another up market. It's still going to take a good long period of time for those losses to be made up. And even if that's going to happen, how are you going to know? How would you know that, contrary to all of human history? And why would you not, based on human history and stock market history, be prepared for a down market? Because that worst case scenario is you got ready for a down market, it didn't happen, and you were still better prepared than everybody else and therefore probably had more profits as a result. Or what's logically going to happen, again, whether people want to admit it or not, there's going to be a crash, there's going to be a recession, and the people that are prepared profit or stay stable, and the people that were not lose lots of money, like the vast majority of people with retirement accounts in the stock market have experienced during the last year and all of 2022. So happy new year for the first time we have postable gains year to date in the stock market, but if we went ahead and did something more accurate information-wise and said, what's the year to date from exactly last year to here, then we would still see those substantial losses because this is year to date from January 1st, 2023 to January 11th, so the course of 10 days. So just make sure that you're processing this information correctly. And like I said, I'm going to tell everybody what that these three indices are doing no matter what to give them the fair shake. But that's not beating inflation either. So this is still not going to be making really anybody a substantial amount of money. Not enough to retire on, not enough to pay your bills, unless you're somebody that's invested millions. And frankly, that's not going to be most of us right now. Just because the millionaires and billionaires get benefit from that amount of return, you know, the rest of us, we have to have better rates of return if we're investing less than a million dollars. Now, when you're getting what you look for, even if it's not there, that allows us to manifest things that are important to us and start to get out of the idea where we've convinced ourselves that the negative attitude that we've held, you know, this negative state that we put ourselves in is the true state. You know, if you can make up a whole bunch of BS and be completely miserable, then why can't you make up a whole bunch of positive BS, but at least feel good and with all things equal, still dealing with reality in the same way? You know, somebody on that other side still taking care of their business, taking care of their work and family versus the other person, you know, who do you really think is going to have the better results in the long term? Definitely the person that's making up the positive BS versus a person that's stuck on the negative BS. The second question they asked here was, what controls and determines the quality of our lives? 
and they argue that it's meaning and emotion. We have our intro video to the sample class where Tony Robbins talks about emotions being everything because we're beings of emotion. We're beings of feeling. We ultimately are out here to do stuff that makes us feel good and avoid stuff that makes us feel bad. You know, aren't there things out there that make us feel good in the moment and they're bad for us in the long run? What about things that make us feel bad in the moment, but they end up being good for us in the long run? And all sorts of different types there along those spectrums. But we're ultimately here to be happy. We're ultimately here to feel good. And that feeling of good is very, very subjective, a.k.a. it's no longer objective because the stuff that we understand objectively stops at a certain point and the rest is stuff that we don't yet understand scientifically. So it's subjective, mostly at this point, and that's fine. And I think it's going to stay that way to a certain extent because there are going to be people that are in completely miserable conditions considered to most people that are going to be completely happy, and there's always going to be people that are in completely wonderful, stable, safe situations with everything they've ever asked for, and they're the miserable one. You know, there's more to it here than we've been able to identify for sure, but we definitely know that there are some really, really interesting examples of people that have been in extraordinarily prosperous situations, great families, great marriages, financial success, fame, everything most people consider makes up a successful, fulfilled life. End up falling off or doing something worse. Meaning and emotion are what gives us the quality of our lives. What is the meaning that you attach to the actions that you do? And what is the meaning that you want to have for the whole life that you're going to live in general? And what are the feelings that you're getting? What are the emotions that you're getting on a daily basis? Because if you're feeling crappy on a daily basis, emotionally overwhelmed, stressed out, with lots of anxiety, depression, frustration, and maybe it's something you directed a certain item or event or a person, but you've got these emotions and there's things that you don't want, so you have to do something different and do something very, very counter to what you've done before. The fun thing here is that they gave us these tools to start changing our emotional state. And this is really where I have to identify the fact that, you know, you can agree or disagree with the way that it's presented. You can agree or disagree with Tony Robbins and think he's a nutcase or not, or every guru out there is a nutcase. But this is stuff that actually works, and this is stuff that science continues to agree with. The number one thing that you can change with a pattern is your physiology, and what they're literally saying is that if you're going to be stuck in a chair, sitting around, feeling like crap, feeling like dirt, and your posture is complete garbage, you're going to continue to feel like dirt and garbage because your body's physiology is one associated with negative emotions. When somebody is feeling really bad or feeling crappy normally, they're going to hunch over they're going to be in a lower energy 
posture, a posture that requires less energy commitment like sitting or laying down. And that's going to start creating a self-fulfilling cycle. They want you to make sure to use this as one of the simplest tricks in the book. If you're starting to feel crappy, stand up, stretch your legs, stretch your back, stretch your shoulders, stretch your arms, do some jumping jacks, do some push-ups on the floor, do some squats, do something to get your blood flowing a little bit faster, get your muscles engaged so your whole body is back to a more optimal state. The physiology associated with energy and vitality is definitely more in line with stretching, exercise, and moving around and standing up than it is laying down, sitting down, hunched over with bad posture, staring at your phone, staring at Facebook and TikTok, Instagram, or sitting on the couch watching TV. You know, again, to go for these exceptions, those aren't bad in small doses, but to do it for hours and hours on end and feel crappy while doing it and expect to suddenly feel like a million bucks when you put on the next episode of the show you're watching, you know, probably not going to happen. We'll be right back with the final segment of the TWA radio show after the break. Stay tuned. There's an old joke. When is the best time to buy real estate? 20 years ago. When is the second best time? Today. And that is truer than ever with the impending recession and the correction that is going on right now. Real estate investors are going to make millions of dollars over the next few years because of the recession. You should take advantage of it as well. To find out how, attend our free sample class at TotalWealthAcademy.com. TotalWealthAcademy.com. Just click on the free sample class button. Thank you. Welcome back, everybody, to the final segment of today's show. If you have a question or want to chat, you can give us a call at 281-558-5738. All you got to do is pick up your smartphone, dial it in, 281-558-5738, and you will be connected. We'll click the button, and we'll start chatting. So I want to go over a email today, a discussion that I had with a member at TWA that talks about something important and talks about something that a lot of people are wondering about and have been affected by, and that has to do with the freaking weather. When we have a freeze that was for last winter, you know, that was the 2021 freeze, so not last winter, but the winter before that, in February 2021, and then here we are in December 2022 with another freeze. So... Is this going to be a regular thing every other winter now where we have a freak cold snap that passes along the entire United States and causes us even here in Houston to go to 10, 15 degrees in the middle of the night and our pipes to burst? You know, that's that's extreme weather, folks. That's nuts. So... We have to make sure that we're managing what we do with our properties and managing our tenants effectively to make sure that we're not going to be on the wor- the bad end of a burst pipe because burst pipes suck. I, unfortunately, at my house have had to deal with it both times. And the second time, not a big deal because it was just the very front main, the copper main, 
But in 2021, February, had to replace the whole system with PEX, which was, you know, it's not a big deal. It's a nice upgrade, nice selling point. But it sucks to not have water for almost two weeks. That really, really was not fun. So member talks about what they need to do in the event of a freeze with their tenants. Now, at least here in the state of Texas, the lease stipulates that they are going to be responsible for maintaining necessary precautions to prevent freezing conditions from bursting pipes. So with most leases, that's going to be in the standard Texas lease. You're going to want to make sure that's in there for sure. And step one is making sure that nowadays, with this experience happening for basically just one winter, we skip the freeze, and then the next winter, we have another one. You need to let your tenants know that during the winter time at move in, as you're discussing this lease, that they are responsible for doing the prevention. They need to drip the pipes, open up the valves, but really, what everybody needs to do is drain the whole. F- flipping system out. You don't want to play games with water and freezing. Water, as most of us know, expands when it freezes. That's why it causes copper pipes and metal pipes to burst because they're not flexible. They have nowhere to go. But freezing water is extremely strong. I mean, the PSI coming out of a freezing pipe with the water turning into ice pushing on it is God, I, I wish I had the number in front of me, but it's hundreds of pounds per square inch. It's an insane amount of pressure. And the fact that the whole thing doesn't burst open one big line is pretty, pretty big testament to how strong metal is in general. But you need to let them know that they're going to be the ones ultimately responsible for it. So when freezes are talked about in the news, they have to cover pipes. They need to shut the water off and they need to drain the whole system out. And, you know, gather up some water in a bucket to flush the toilet in the middle of the night if it really comes down to it. But then you turn the water back on during the day. Everybody gets their showers done. If it's still freezing conditions, you know, during the day, that's probably the time where you can be okay with having a drip on. But honestly, if I were that tenant, I would just do everything we needed with water Everybody goes to school, goes to work, turn the water off, people get back, we turn it back on, do our stuff at night, turn it back off during the freezing conditions. And it might sound extreme for a lot of people, but here in the Houston area, you know, unless you got completely winterized pipes like people do up north, you know, you're going to have a you're going to have to deal with that. You're going to have to make sure that you've got the whole system flushed out to make sure that there's no, no water in there so when it freezes, it's not going to be filled with water that turns into ice that causes pipes to burst. And the pecs, you know, the peps can actually expand, but I'm not taking that chance. I'm not, I'm not playing with that. I don't, I don't want to have one of the shark bites pop off. I don't want to have a weak spot in the pecs somewhere, very unlikely, but I'm, I just don't want to play with that. You have to go to the water main. You have to shut it off at the street, and then open it up. The front, a lot of houses have a front main. That's where most of the water comes in first. So open up all your valves inside, let everything drain out. 
Now with your tenant, what you're going to want to do realistically is communicate with your tenant when a freeze is coming. Don't assume that they're going to go ahead and do all of that. A good tenant, you know, a great tenant will, no problem. But people need reminders. And if you want to have an easier time and not a hard time, you're going to call your tenants, email them, mail them, preferably everything you can do to contact them to let them know, hey, you know, Mr. or Mrs., whoever, the freeze is coming. We need to make sure that everything is covered as a tenant is your, is your responsibility. However you feel comfortable saying that in a professional and polite way, you got to drain it out. Here's the process. It's very easy. It takes less than five minutes. Shut the water off at the front. Empty out all the drains. Shut everything down. Get your water buckets. And when you do that, you're making your life a lot easier. Because if you've got a tenant in a house that has water and it's burst, you know, they're going to be responsible for it, but is it going to be an easy process to get that money? Is it going to be an easy process getting them in court if it comes down to it? Never. You never want to go for situations that involve court, even if you're 100% in the right. Even if you've got every law on your side, court is the last resort. A good landlord is going to do everything they can to make everything work as a landlord, not as somebody standing in front of the judge. So make sure that you're going through the process of freeze with your tenants on move-in, with the lease, and then whenever they come up, these freezes come up, which it looks like they're going to be coming up more often, no matter where you think this, this change is coming from, this is something that is happening now. This is part of what we're dealing with, our climate in this part of the world. You have to stay on top of alerting your tenants to these freezing conditions and reminding them politely it's your responsibility to clear it out. And of course, damage done from not doing that is tenants' responsibility too. So be the nice landlord, be the professional manager, say it in the way that you want to say it that causes harmony rather than strife. But as always, be direct, be the professional, and take care of your properties by informing your tenants of what they need to be doing. Sometimes they need a reminder they're human just like you are. So let's get back to the Tony Robbins before we wrap up today. We got a couple more minutes here. We talked about the simplicity of physiology. You know, I'm straightening up my back now as I remember that I need to stay straight. I need to not hunch over. And I always, I'm really doing a much better job of this these days. Keep a straight back while I'm sitting. Then we just talked about whatever you look for, even if it's not there, you'll find it. So your focus and beliefs are going to determine how you approach everything. You know, with your vocabulary, are you focusing on words that are disempowering? Like, I cannot do this. I, I have to do this. I got to. I'm required to be here for this time. What am I supposed to do? It's just that psychology is basically handicapping you from the get-go. You have to start telling yourself things literally with the voice you have in your head that make more positive effects. Say something like, I'm going to be able to do this. I've got my opportunity. 
I've got what I need to succeed. And if I don't have everything understood right at this moment, well, I'll figure it out. That's something that really helps me as somebody that used to strive for the perfected situation before starting. Just start most of the time and just figure it out. Whatever that 10% you feel is missing or 20%, you still have to have a good understanding, but you're not going to need to understand everything. And you have to have that faithful step forward that whatever you need to figure out later is going to be given to you or you're going to find it out yourself. You're not going to just get stuck in the situation of having to wait for every bit of knowledge that you can possibly find to get started first. So let let me give you two quotes, too, as we wrap up. From the book I mentioned a while back, It Always Seems Impossible Until It's Done. This is the little yellow book I read every morning. It's by Catherine and Ross, Ross Petrus. You can find it on Amazon or anywhere they sell books. Again, it's called It Always Seems Impossible Until It's Done. Um, last name Petrus. Just a collection of quotes. So today's quotes that I'll give y'all. If you don't have confidence, you will always find a way not to win. That's by Carl Lewis, the athlete. And Macklemore says, I don't control life, but I control how I react to it. Really perfect for today. What you're focusing on and how you're reacting is going to determine the results that you get in life. So take responsibility for your reactions and start taking responsibility for your results that come with it. That wraps up our show today, folks. I will be live on the air again next Wednesday. I will see y'all then. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.